are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. You know, I love church. Always have. I, 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 uh, I would dread Sunday night at our church when, when I, uh, we'd sing that last song and the pastor would get up. I'd think, ah, got to go to school tomorrow. <laughs> I hate it. I, kids, you ought, you ought to love school. I, I did not like school at all. Well, the problem is it did not like me. That's the problem. And, of course, my teachers were not all good teachers. They they believed you should learn and uh, obey. My mother, at her death, they found a file, and she gave me all my report cards. And my report cards, I have in my office, and it says things like, Jack's a good boy, but Jack doesn't pay attention like Jack should. Can't believe they didn't call me Dr. Treber or whatever, but Jack, second grade, you know. And then um, Jack is cooperative, Jack is kind, Jack doesn't listen very well. (laughs) Teachers did not like me, and consequently, I didn't like them. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, all right. But uh, I I, I love church. I've always loved Sunday school. I've had some poor Sunday school teachers, and uh, my wife and I love our class. We just love our class. I love Sunday morning, I love Sunday night, I love Wednesday night. You know, the Christian life is the best life. I promise you, don't get sideways here. The world does not offer anything to you. Not a thing. The way of the transgressor's heart. Isn't it amazing, I'll get to preaching in a minute, uh, but we'll have prayer, but isn't it amazing how liquor says, you, you want your freedom. And all it does is enslave. Alcohol or drugs, you want your freedom. All it does is enslaves. I think of any sin in life, it, it's, it's announcing we have liberty, we have freedom. But it takes away our freedom. Stand fast in the liberty where Christ hath made us free. And be not again entangled with the yoke of bondage, Galatians 5, 1. Thank God for freedom in Christ. All the special music and choir tonight, thank you. Our Father, tonight as we look into this very familiar text, what a powerful text. And I pray that God would be helped tonight as we speak about this wonderful life called the Christian life. Bless our time together. Lord, I don't need to be lengthy tonight, so help me to get right to it. And I pray that the Spirit of God would move up and down these aisles, and may we be helped tonight on this journey called life. One day we get to the end of it, we look back and realize it's been a wonderful life and we've been faithful unto death. We thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that has been left in our midst, and he lives and dwells within us. We thank you for the Bible that's been given to us. We thank you for the 
the wonderful New Testament local church. We are the benefactors of so very much. We thank you for the hymns and the songs and spiritual songs that have been left to us. We have so much to cause us to rejoice in the Lord. We thank you for the home that you've established, male and female, and how that you've done so good things, so many good things. We thank you that in many of our homes you've provided children. Thank you for these two that tonight we have announced that we'll be expecting the second child and the first child. Lord, you're so good. I pray for our brother Dan Joe tonight as he and Dana are watching this service in the hospital. God, please comfort their hearts and encourage their hearts this evening. I pray for our dear brother Fred Cabaliza and Lynn and their three boys that have now flown here. Last week he sat here and this week in the hospital with congestive heart failure. I pray that you touch that dear man's life, how we love him so much. And Lord, there are folks that are home tonight, I think with Parkinson's and other ailing diseases, and we have shut-ins tonight. I pray to comfort their hearts. God, may this help us this week as we hear the word of God, and on the journey of life, we would be happy campers. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, much of the world tonight is depressed. I don't want to live that way. My wife lives with me. She could tell you that perhaps sometimes I get quiet or whatever it might be. I don't want to live that way. I hope that to a husband, as a husband, she sees me as a happy guy. I hope the children in this church and ministry and high schoolers and college students and all the members say he's not a moody person. I, I want to live on the winning side. I want to live happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. A song that was written in 1854, Oh, happy day that fixed my choice. I want to have every day be a happy day. I want it to be a joyful day. Back in the 50s, you might remember that they wrote songs like, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And your part is? Where? That's joy. With all these little songs we'd sing in children. Uh, in children's Sunday school about joy. Jesus and others in you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others we meet face to face. And Y is for you. And whatever you do, put yourself last and spell joy. And then in the 60s, we had songs like happiness is to know the Savior. And then in the, in the 70s, I've found the happy side of life. Are you a happy camper? Are you moody? I'm not talking to women only. There's something about this day where men get moody. I don't understand that. I, I could go along on that, and it, but, but I just think I'll leave it right there. Fellas, don't be moody. Well, I had a hard day at work. Well, so did your wife. Grow up. Don't be so effeminate. Men are not supposed to be moody. You girls in this college, you're dealing, you're dating a guy and he's like this. Dump that guy. Get rid of him, you older people that know. You're shaking your head. You know something about that. Not that your husband is. That's not the kind of guy you want to spend your life with. 
Wonder what kind of mood, you be careful, let's see what kind of mood dad's in today. We need to take you to the woodshed, sir. Brother Heitzrider, Brother Raisley, and meet you out there. We have a new ministry, Woodshed Ministries. The world is discouraged. I believe this is the true statistic I read recently that young people that made this never happen in your life. It's the ultimate self-trip. But suicide is the number one killer of teenagers. And I know that you've carried a lot of man and women-sized burdens already, some of you, and homes and sorrows and difficulties. But I tell you, I promise you this, the best is yet to come. Life's wonderful. Life is great. God in his time is going to send the right person to you. You'll have children have such a wonderful life, and God Stay true to God and stay true to church and stay faithful to the word of God. Some people are living in discouragement. I'm speaking tonight on the joyful Christian life. 18 times in these 104 verses. There's 104 verses Paul writes to us. He writes to us from a jail cell. The jail cell is not just a door here and a six by nine. A jail cell is where they lowered them down into the earth. That's why I said, I want my cloak. Please send the cloak. He was cold. It was damp down there. History tells us probably somewhere between the jails 15, 20 feet deep. And he was lowered into that cold, damp place. Yet he said in Philippians 4, 4, you know it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, 18 times he says rejoice. 18 times either joy or rejoice. Hey, life's great. One of the, I love, I, I, I love airports. You see so much. There's a lot of nutty people. They make you laugh. I mean, just get a, get a kick out of life. Watch, watch people. Watch how people react. Oh my goodness, life's wonderful. And then you run across a lot of older people, so sweet. And they'll bring such joy to your heart. And older couples and widows and widowers, they can bring such joy. I was speaking to an older couple, I, the McCrackens tonight before the teachers, and I saw them out there. And, um, Mrs. McCracken had her birthday on Friday. Now, she said I could tell her age, but you never tell a lady's age. But she turned a magic number. Her Sunday school teacher turned that same number a couple weeks ago. Uh, Brother Nikolai, I'll say his age, he's 80. And uh, he looks 60, but he's 80. It's hard to believe. And I won't suggest your age, but it's right there in the same neighborhood, isn't it? She said I could say it. I'm going to be in trouble. My wife's eyes just got real big on me right there. I left their presence. I spoke to them for three, four minutes. I left their presence so inspired. That's how I want to live when I get to be Brother McCracken's age, 122. (laughs) He married a young girl. I want to be a happy camper. Older people become grumps and become so sweet. 
I don't want to be a grump. Paul said I'm in a jail cell, but I'm having the time of my life. He gives us this text, verses 10 through 14, that we read tonight. I mentioned this morning, I believe probably if you'd go back, the secretary could. I believe I've preached at least 100 messages out of these four verses, and there have never been one the same. This is such a rich text. I preached a lot to the college the last 22, three, four years from this text. Verse 13 says, brethren, it's right in the Christians, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, what's the next word, church? Forgetting. If you're gonna have a great Christian life, there's some forgetting that needs to take place in our life. Forgetting those things which are behind. You're gonna have to forget as all of us about some sins we've committed in our life. Maybe when you're 13 or when you're 17 or when you're 18 or when you're 20 and here you are 40 or 50 or 60 and it's still tormenting you. You'll never have a great, great victorious, happy life holding on to the regret of a decision you made that you should not have made. And that is all of us. You're gonna have to forget the sin. I know there are consequences that have come. But consequently, Paul said, I'm here in this jail cell. I'm happy in the Lord, but I had to learn you have to forget some things that are behind. What's he talking about? Well, you have to back up. He had to forget some things. He had to forget, verse seven, but what things were gained to me, though I, I count loss for Christ, what things were gained to him? What things gave him position in life? What things gave him notoriety? The things he had to forget, what were they? Verse number four, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he have well that he might trust in the flesh, I mourn. I had a life where you could trust my flesh because here's the reason. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews and touching the law of Pharisee and concerning zeal and persecuting the church. This was me touching righteousness, which is the law of blameless. But what things were gained to me, that was so important. I was a religious leader, but lost. Paul said, I'm gonna have to forget that. I wasted all those years because I had religiosity, but I did not have a redeemer. I needed Jesus. And I was trusting my flesh. I stood before the crowds. I spoke in the synagogues. I was well known. I was circumcised the eighth day. I was of the tribe of all tribes. Benjamin, I have arrived. But he said, the truth of the matter is, look what he says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I do count them, here it is, all that notoriety, religiosity, and all that I have, I count as dumb. 
and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Some of you in this room, you have given your lives a lifetime of idols. And you've prayed before the idols. And you've bowed before the idols. And you've crossed yourself before the idols. And in good faith, you did this. But one day the scales were removed from your eyes and you realize all my religion that I had is empty. There is no religion in the idol. But there's salvation in Christ. You say, I've wasted my life. No, 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 just forget it. God was leading you to the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ. And Paul says here, forgetting those sayings which are behind, perhaps you must forget your religion. Perhaps your religion is enslaved. Perhaps you have to forget your rebellion. I wonder in this room, or those that are listening, how many had a rebellious teenage life, and perhaps you did things in that rebellion you regret today. And Paul is dealing with that we must not hold to our past religion and to our idols and to our rebellion and our ruin of sin and our regrets. I've pastored a man now for 40 some years. He's in a wheelchair and he's let me tell it before. I've only told it two times in 40 some years. As a young teenager, he and I exact same age, he took a gun and shot himself over a girl. He's one of the most wonderful young men, now my age, one of the most wonderful men I've ever met. And you know him. He comes on Sunday in his wheelchair. One of the sweetest men I've ever met. One thing I don't like about him, we'll play checkers when I go see him, and he beats me every time. And he'll say to me, he said it on occasion a couple times, two, three times in these 40-some years, Pastor, stupid, stupid. I said, don't say that. Charles, don't say that. Stupid. Shot myself. He's very sharp, very brilliant. I love that man so much. I really believe God's given him victory over a foolish decision, but he lives with the consequence of that. Paul said, you're going to have to forget some things. And I want you to understand tonight that all of us must. I've had such a good life. I've lived, I've tried to live such a good life. I wish I could go and change this day and this day and this conversation and this moment. Because at our very best, we're still weak. That's why Paul says, place no confidence in the flesh. You young men and young women that are going out in the ministry, and soon in just a few weeks, some of you will graduate from here and go in churches where, and I know some go on a deputation to go to the mission field. You cannot take one day and claim it for yourself. You have to give every day to God because the day you take it for yourself, 
you'll create a monster and you'll look back and say, why did I do that? Paul says, if I'm gonna live a wonderful life, I cannot look back. I cannot look back. We, you can't, you say, well, <laughs> if I can't ever look back, then I can't go forward. Paul said this, or the writer said this, I think there's some things you look back on, but you don't look back on ruin, and you don't look back on your righteousness, and you don't look back on your rebellion, and you don't look back on your religion, because those are hurts. I look back all the time. We have a goodly heritage. You young children that are being raised in this church and now some of you are in your 50s, but you've been raised here. You have a goodly heritage. I'd be very careful to throw away this New Testament local church, North Valley Baptist Church. Be very careful about it. They're not on every street corner. I'm not saying we're more superior to anybody else or any other church. I'm just saying there's something happening here. There's something happening in that Christian school. There's something happening in that college. There's something happening on the radio. There's something happening in the B and the C Sunday school. There's something happening in the orchestra. There's something happening with soul winning. And I thank God for the goodly heritage we have. Don't throw it away. Oh, I look back and tell my wife, I see a picture of her mother, Geraldine Swanson. She died in 1970, October 4th, coming up on uh, 50 years, 49 years, and I'll say to her every day, thank you, first thing in the morning. Thank you, Geraldine, you raised a good daughter. Vinny's such a good girl. <laughs> Vinny's not a good girl. She laughed at me in teacher's meeting tonight. Thank you that you raised Cindy. You say, well, that's crazy. I want to always be grateful in my heart. And then I look at my mother and dad, and I said, I know you failed with the girls, but I'll tell you, you succeeded in my life. Thank you so much. I still have my work cut out for them. And they both moved to Tennessee to get away from me, but I'm going to hunt them one of these days. I'm going to go see them. You know, we sing, I, 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 I sing this song. I've been singing it every day this year. We have been blessed. We've been blessed. We live in a country, the greatest on earth. I heard those high school seniors around Lincoln Monument about a week ago sing that in Washington, D.C. and the beautiful harmony and people looking at them. We, have, we live in a country, the greatest on earth. We have been blessed. I think you look back on some things and say, those are good experiences. We build our lives off of looking back, but not on the ruin and not on the wreck and not on the sorrow, not on the sin. We look back on the blessings of God. I believe that song, looking back through the years, sometimes heartache and tears, the Lord has never once let me down. Though I don't understand, yet I'll hold to his plan Oh, there's no need to doubt him now. He'll make a way somehow. Maybe we'll close the service. That would be a good song to close tonight. That's why you look back at Joshua chapter four. What mean these stones? One day your children can say, what mean these stones? 
This is what God did for us. So Paul's not saying you cannot look back. Why? Because he talked about in his defense of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He looked back, chapter nine of the book of Acts, chapter 22, book of Acts, chapter 23, book of Acts, chapter 24, book of Acts, chapter 26, as he stood before people, as he preached, and he stood before the Sanhedrin, he looked back and he talked about Abraham, Isaac, men and brethren. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and he went through the patriarchs. He kept looking back. Uh, Thank God we have something to look back on. And when he says forgetting those things, Paul's not talking about forgetting the goodness or grace of God. He gave his testimony five times, five times in the book of Acts. He gave his testimony in the book of 1 Timothy and he kept laying out for us who was before a persecutor, injurious person, but I did it such foolishness. And he always then talked about the grace of God. I think of Brother Evan, your amazing testimony. Just an amazing testimony. And I'm so glad you give it like the Apostle Paul as he was laying in the gutter one day. And God came by and touched his life and saved his soul. He's a businessman. He's a layman. He has a business. But this morning as a layman, he preached to those bus teenagers and they listened to him. And this morning he had six bus teenagers saved and two bus teenagers with parents' permission baptized as a layman. Thank God once in a while, it's not every Sunday, he can look back and here's where I was, but here's where I am and here's where I'm headed. Look what he says, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm gonna have a joyful life. I'm gonna have to forget some things, but there's some things I don't want to forget. But then secondly, and reaching forth under those things that should be You have to keep on going all the time. You look back for good, but not wrong. You look forward for what God's going to do. I had an interesting exercise this week. I have my taxes filed since I was a single boy. And then in 1972, we got married, and I have all of our taxes for all the years. Now, through the years, as they get seven years old, I shred all the receipts and things, but I keep the basic guts of the taxes. And I was looking back recently, I pulled that file out, 1972. And then I pulled the file out when we came here, 1976. And I looked at that file. We were renting a house for $450 a month. That took 50% of our income. We gave that year 40% back to this church. We had 10% to live on. We had to pay our utilities. I had to pay the gasoline. 
I did not have a car payment. I had a car that had 140,000 miles on it when we came. I had to pay the water, the garbage. That had to be that 10% all of our food for the month. Anything. I didn't have suits. I had one. I had one, when I began to pastor, one green suit and one white and green tie, or dark green, hunter green. But you know, I thought about living. We lived on 10%. And I look back, it was 8,000 together. We were both working full-time for the church. No insurance, no health insurance, nothing. We just made $8,600. I look back at the end of the year, and every bill was paid. We didn't have a credit card. I think of folks like an Ed and Flo Brownlee would say, we'd like to take you there in the heaven now. There was my chairman, my deacons. We'd like to take you to lunch today. And praise God, they paid for it every time. My uncle Bill and Elmer Stoppy were members here. I mentioned him this morning, built that building there. On Sunday night, he'd say, they lived up on the hills up here. He built a house in the hills. And he'd say, I want to take you out, come to the house, or we want to get a bite to eat after church. I think how God raised up people just to help us. You know, I look back. I look back, and some of you are living that way right now. I look back. God, God's built my faith where I can honestly believe, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord. We didn't have to be running around looking for a better offer or a better situation because God brought us here. I've been in three churches in my life, two of them assistant pastor and one a pastor, and I refused to know how much I was gonna make. I didn't know until after I got my first paycheck. I went to work for Miss Trevor's dad. I was a student, but I was involved in that church pretty heavily. I made $25 a week. I found that out after I came. And then right before we got married, he took me up to $65 a week. I tell you, I was great. And shortly into marriage, the church took me up. They voted $125 a week. That was it. We didn't have health insurance, but your God took care of us. I went to the next church and Boy, I got a raise after about a year there. I made $135 a week. We came here, I had no idea what you were gonna pay me. Not any idea at all. And God brought us here, and shortly thereafter, you told me what it was gonna pay. You know what, God took care of us, and he's still taking care of us. I have no investments in money and houses and property, I tell you, somehow I keep praying. I keep praying on our 50th anniversary. I could do what a preacher who was a well-known preacher, he wrote books and got all these royalties and he was rich. He never lived that way. But on the 50th anniversary of the church, his ministry, he gave back every single dime the church ever paid him. Pray that my ship comes in. I have no idea how to pay it back. This church doesn't owe us anything. You've been so good to us. I look back 
and see how God took care of us. How God, in his grace, got rid of that 140,000 mile Ford. Ford. Got tired of breaking down all the time. But we always look forward. As we are closing out the first quarter, this is where this has come today. Next Sunday is the last. I want us this week, I want you to look back. What did you accomplish in the first 13 weeks? How many souls were saved? How many down the aisle? What was your stewardship? What did you do with the word of God? What did you do with prayer? What did you do with faithful attendance to the house of God? What did you do for your wife? What did you do for your husband? What did you do for your family on a daily basis? What did you do for your friends and relatives and neighbors? What did you do at work? What did you do for a savings account? What did you do about paying bills off? You have to look back. That's why we're at this text tonight. I want us to look back this week, but I want us to look forward. I'm ashamed to tell you this because Brother Kevin Manley got me on a program years ago to read the entire Bible in the month of January. And it's been such a good thing. I love it. And this January, I got messed up. And without going with a lot of ordeal, I got, I got a problem with an eye they've been dealing with. And it's so hard to catch and see all that. And I just finished about a week ago, the Old Testament it took me the entire first quarter to get done just a portion I used to get done in a couple weeks. I'm praying that this quarter, I'm not only complete the New Testament, I'm in the New Testament now. I'd like to try to complete it this week. But I, I want to complete it, and I want to go back and start again so that I can get more of the Bible in me I want to do more in prayer this next 13 weeks, April, May, June. I want to do more in prayer, don't you? I want to do more for and with my wife and for our family. I want to do more for the people of God. I want to make more hospital visits. I want to make more shut-in visits. I want to knock on more doors in the first quarter. I want to look and see what God allowed us to tithe and give. I want to give more this quarter than ever. I want to work on our own personal finances and see God bring down this and this and this and be able to say, we're making headway on every area. Paul said, I want to press, reach forth and I press, I strain toward the mark. I'm coming to you for the first quarter, some things you're gonna to have to forget be left behind. You didn't accomplish what you want, forget it. But there's a new quarter. Now I'm gonna to press toward that new quarter. Physically, I heard a radio announcement in February, they said that 60% of all people that begin a health program January 1st get off of it. To me, that's a pretty good report. That means 40 stayed with it. And Miss Treber wants me to walk in all these 
things that are very bad for your health. And I've tried so well this first quarter, but now the rain is basically gone. I know we have some this week hopefully coming. Oh, I love the green hills. Velvet right now. But I can start walking more. I told my wife I've not been up on the levee all January, February, March with my bike. Been too wet. I can't wait to get up on that levee. I get up on the levee and drive out to the salt flats casually, not working that workout, but just I just ride and I sing. Oh, the birds stop when I start to sing. You think Brother Ropke was good tonight? Brother Ropke, you ought to hear me when I sing. Brother Ken, I tell you what, I've got more soul than you when I sing sometime. It's getting on. And I'm telling you, I get up there and I sing. I quote scripture. I pray. When you get out on the salt flats, up on the levee, there'll be some people once in a while you see. But out in the salt flats, it's just me and the seagulls. They're always bombing right over the top of me. I'm just watching them all the time. I have the best time out there. You miss me? Oh, I love going out there. I told my wife I'd like to get a bunch of you men one morning early to get up and ride out there on those salt flats with me. You can shout and nobody hears you. You get out there and you can see Moffat Field right over here. And you can see all that over here in the long distance and over here, Fremont, up to the, 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 salt, the, the salt hills of Leslie Salt and, and Morton Salt. You see them all out there, the big mountains of the salt. And you can shout and praise God. I want to do more of that this next quarter. I, I told Mrs. Bertram if she'll allow me, I'd like to, barbecue, grill one or two times before school's over. I, I kind of want to just, I said, I know I'm probably going to do hamburgers, but I'd like to do steaks and just, I love those students, but I don't love them that much. <laughs> Wouldn't that be just fun? I, I want to be more involved with everything. Paul said, I'm, I'm going to get some Vision, I'll get some goals, I'll get some desire, I'll get some direction. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.